Ooh, we are. We are back. One, two, one. Almost a palindrome. Eleven squared. There you go. Boom. I like it. We were gamers, a podcast where we come up, well, some of us come up with nerdy math stuff and others of us took stats. <laughs> also, it is a palindrome too, so. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I just, three three letters or three numbers or whatever for a palindrome feels like cheating. It's easy. I feel that way about two. Uh, two is trivial. Three is easy. Four, now you're working for it. Right. Okay. We're all kind of on the same page here on We Were Gamers, a podcast. So we get to episode 1001. There you go. We had to work for that. <laughs> That's like... I can't do... Yeah. Mm-mm, math. I'm not going to do it. Nope. 20 years? Yeah. <laughs> we'll be on the internet too by then. Internet too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hopefully there's in net neutrality too by then. We'll see. <laughs> Probably won't have a podcast if there's not. Uh-uh. Good point. Uh-huh. Welcome back. It's a podcast about all things nerdy, including net neutrality, but oftentimes video games, sometimes the adulting minute. I'm going to lead it right in. JJ, Michael are here Andy. with me. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Have you ever hey, seen dude. a... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a wolf spider? I, in pictures. I don't know that I know what that looks like. All right. We don't do research on this podcast, but you should just type wolf spider into Google. I'm going to... All right. Sorry for the clicking noise. Oh, that's very big. This picture... <laughs> this is like a tarantula-sized spider. And uh, they're most common in Mississippi, somewhere else, and California... I've lived in California quite a while, and I've never actually seen one in the wild. I've seen some in uh, insect terrariums or whatever they're called. Hmm. You know, when you go to the zoo and they have all the bugs and stuff. Right, that yeah. room's called an insect terrarium or something. Um, I walked through a web today about an hour ago. I might have peed a little. <laughs> they're, they are mildly terrifying. That's... It was crawling on me, friends. That's way more than mildly terrifying. <laughs> That's big. This yeah. was inside your house? No, 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 no. It was outside. I was taking out the trash, as I often do just before the podcast. Oh, okay. I feel much better. And it had decided to make a web between the pool and the trampoline. Hmm. Uh, they're very hairy. Yeah. Uh, That's a big spider. Yeah, it was probably, if its legs were completely spread out, you know, it was about the size of my thumb from base knuckle to tip. Okay. Hmm. That's pretty darn big as a spider goes. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. In a... What? How is it surviving there? What is it eating? Is it trying to eat your dog? I don't know. I've never, <laughs> honestly, I've never seen one before. I've lived here my whole life. They're supposedly common. I'm guessing in the woods when they have small birds to eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, maybe you used to have pigeons and now you don't. <laughs> well, the rat that I had seen and tried to trap is gone. So hmm. it was not also not in the house, by the way. I want to be clear here. I don't live in a hovel. Very there good. There was a rat in the tree outside eating fruit out of it. And then now it's not there anymore and we have a giant spider, which I promptly, Michael, used my bug assault on. Nice. As you should. Yeah. What is 
what is bug assault? Okay, uh, t- timeout number two. Look up what a bug dash a dash salt with a you know NACL. Okay, is is this really a gun that shoots salt? <laughs> we might both have ones. Yes. <laughs> I'm just reading the Wikipedia article. Bug A Salt is a plastic gun that sprays table salt like a shotgun in a conical spread pattern. Used to, invented by some guy to kill houseflies at a distance. <laughs> it is awesome and accurate. It's very effective. It's not. This is meant for like, I see this bug, I'm killing it now. Not like yes. a, I'm spraying this out to deter. Yeah, rather than swatting at that annoying housefly that's constantly buzzing around, you wait till it's landed and then you use the bug assault to shred its wings. Honestly, destroy your furniture or whatever. Sure, whatever. You're shooting it in the kitchen most of the time, let's be clear. Okay, destroy Um, your glasses. Sure, but let's, you know, think about this for a second. How unsanitary is it to be smashing things with a giant fly swatter and then leaving that fly swatter just around, you know? Yeah. Instead, from a distance, you can just pop these guys and then go pick them up with a little paper towel. Clean up. It's all right. Yeah, it okay. doesn't, It doesn't like, blast them apart. No. Right. But it you is, can't just knock them out of the air and then you can go grab them. Well, you'd be pretty good if you knocked them out of the air. Most of the time, you kind of wait for them to land and then you blast them from mildly close distance. And it's very Got gratifying it. to see them tumble away from you in a instant uh you know somewhat humane end although now i'm envisioning a nice uh summer back porch game no no someone's gonna lose an eye <laughs> you just, that's literally you'll shoot your eye out yeah yeah i don't we'll think use, i need salt spray we'll to use me. proper ppe sure okay fair enough you stand you know, at the edge of my porch and yell pull yep <laughs> there you go <laughs> uh this actually reminds me. I didn't remember that I was uh, that I would have talked about this, but uh, you know we've talked on here before about the ant problem this summer. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I solved the ant problem uh, in my house via diatomaceous earth. De, have you, have you guys ever yep. used this stuff? I use it in my pool. Mm. Is it like a filtrator or something? Yeah, it acts as a, um, a filtration agent inside your pool filter. Um, depending on the type of pool filter you have, you use DE or multiple, you know, sand is sometimes used or other stuff like that. But mine uses diatomaceous earth and it's pool grade. There's a, there's mm. all sorts of, there's food grade diatomaceous yes. earth. So that was what I was going to talk about. I bought food grade diatomaceous earth. and People I eat spr- that stuff. Yes. It, yeah. it advertises that you can eat it. Ugh. Uh, I don't have any desire to do that, but because I was so annoyed at these damn ants a couple weeks ago, I went and sp- uh, I put put it in like a little like a puff bottle uh, and sprayed it all over the baseboards and all over my kitchen in places where they were coming up from underneath, and it made my house look maybe a little bit like there were some drugs being done there, <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Um, you know, not while any guests were over. Uh, and I left that stuff out for like a good week. I never saw an ant again and haven't to this day. We cleaned up uh, after like a week or so, but it 
it did some good work. I saw many dead ants at the baseboard where they would like come out and be like, nope, and then die. Yeah. So, so DE, what, shreds them up or dries them out? So, yeah, it's a, uh, the way I understood it, it is a, it reacts with the lipids, the fats and stuff inside ants, because ants don't really carry water inside them like humans do. Uh, and it dries them out and essentially, like, suffocates them. So, like, once they walk over or near it, it just, like, the chemicals and the, it's not chemicals because it's, it's found naturally, but, like, whatever it is is so desiring of that chemicals that those ants carry it just like sucks it out of them even from a distance and they just get killed and the ants very quickly learn not to go anywhere near any of that stuff nice so, yeah uh you can buy these bags on amazon for like eight bucks or something for like two pounds and i sprayed it all over my kitchen i didn't have to feel bad of like oh did i get it all over the counter where we're gonna eat and stuff nope who cares because you can just eat food grade <laughs> I don't know. So, it that stuff is poison, though. I, I understand that it. What? It's not poison, though. Uh. So I, I don't speak for the stuff that isn't food grade, but the food grade stuff, it's not poison, right? It is a, it's like a a, a desiccant, right? Right. Uh, but not so strong to the point where it would be lethal to humans. It would just, you know make your mouth dry or something, I guess. I Somebody email us at podcastwewerogamers.com and explain to me how it goes from being something that I buy from my pool that says, please do not inhale this or you'll basically get asbestos poisoning. I mean, they, uh, use, it in, they use it in toothpaste, Andy. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, like, the purity of the source matters a lot, probably, because it, it is literally mined from the earth. And yes, so, yeah, and so if they're mining it from the earth, if it's intermingled with a bunch of other types of rock or other kinds of earth and stuff, then it could very well be poisonous. Like, right, what if there's, like, arsenic in there or something, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's, you know, certified and done in such a way that the purities are all stripped out and it's just this stuff, then it can be safe. Do you use toothpaste with that in there? I've never seen that my toothpaste has DE in it. I've never read the full ingredient list on a toothpaste. <laughs> the people at the aquarium, the people at the aquarium are very happy to tell me that there's algae and seaweed in it, though. Yes, I, I think my toothpaste might be green, so I believe that. Is that fake mint green, or like, or like maybe you need to go buy a new toothpaste green again? Or? I don't know because I haven't read the label. <laughs> uh, it's probably some kind of minty. Thing. All right, let's wrap up the adulting minute. I heard somebody had a little bit of a furniture adventure. Yeah, uh, we uh, bought, we did some adult work and bought a couch a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and a couch is now, a new couch uh, and rug are now in our home. And that is a uh, is an interesting thing when you have to like get rid of an entire living room's worth of furniture almost in a short amount of time because the new furniture is arriving, you need space. So like, what do you do with old couches that you need to get rid of within, you know, a very short period of time? I would call the trash company. Yeah. I was going to say, is that not what the curb is for? So I mean, I'm not just going to leave like perfectly good couches out on the curb for like free or whatever. I'm sure I could Craigslist. If I was less lazy, I could put this on Craigslist and they'd be gone in like an hour. 
I have had that experience when we moved. We left a bunch of stuff out. I would I would prefer to donate them to charities and stuff, but Look, the charities that tax right off. Yeah. Uh you know, a place like the Goodwill and Salvation Army and those kind of places that, you know, resell that stuff and like one of the couches is actually quite nice and certainly usable again. The other one they yeah, had more You're in a unique well, not unique, but you're in a better position to donate, donate a couch because they're very particular, especially if you have pets, about couch donations. Yeah, so we definitely had to, like, you know, you go onto all these charities' websites or call them or whatever, and then they're like, what's the value, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, I don't know. I got this for free. I have no <laughs> idea what the value of this is thing is. Is that a checkbox? <laughs> no, but, like, you know, you have to explain to these people. And it's like, oh, do you have pets? It's like, no. Do you have all this stuff? No. And then... So we had a pickup scheduled for, you know, one morning. So we carry it out there and set it on the driveway and I come home still there. Uh Oh, not it's, you know, and you know, I, I had the day off and I ran some errands and stuff. So I was back at like two still there. And, you know, my wife gets home like around four still there. Uh What's going on? We call them. They're like, oh, they're stuck in traffic or whatever. They're going to be at your place around five. Okay. 630. Call again. (laughs) Uh, What's going on? Oh, their truck was full. They're not coming. What? (laughs) Thanks for letting us know. Okay. Just like, you you don't want these couches then? Like, what's the, what's the deal? Uh, They're just like, yeah, Yeah. you know, it just fills up and then they just, you know, whatever. Oh, okay. Cool. When can we reschedule? Uh, like two months from now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so we, we called some other uh, charities who are coming sooner. Um, but wow, you wouldn't think it would be so hard to give things away. We're really just trying to to give them to someone useful rather than just selling them for money because it's not like we need the money. Um, but anyway, the new living room is very nice and we're happy with it. Wonderful. Uh, pictures or it didn't happen. Mm, okay, I can post a picture later. <laughs> you don't have to. You know, I'm just yanking your chain, man. Nah. Uh, okay, it's video game time because this is a podcast about being gamers. Um, and sometimes it's a podcast themed a little bit about a certain type of game. And today it's going to be RPG time. I'm declaring it. This is it. The throwdown. The gauntlet. If you're not going to talk about RPGs, get out. Oh, this is the best time. Okay, I think <laughs> I can stay. Uh, I have been playing Fire Emblem. It's been a while since we mentioned it. Uh, at some point, these two in front of me digitally uh, threw down on which game I should try next, and Fire Emblem came out on top. Fire Emblem Awakening, that is, the what would now be considered classic 3DS title. Yeah, it's been out for quite a while at this point. I uh, believe, what, was it the first 3DS Fire Emblem? Gosh. Ooh. Yeah, probably. Yes. Because Fates, and, yes. Fates and the other one came out after. Right. Yeah, Fates was definitely after, and then there was a one after that. Shadows or whatever. Yeah, I think that must have been the first one. Um, I'm going to do a 30-second spoiler warning here. Just because I want to get it off my chest. So if starting right now, tap tap your little 15 second skip button twice and then it'll be over. JJ Marth showed up in this game. Oh, yep. Yep. 
that was quite a fun little surprise. I have not gotten to figure out whether that is a permanent thing or even fully true, but that was kind of cool. I think I ran through my 30 seconds there. <laughs> yeah, the game, time, the game has a lot of cool stuff uh, yeah. in it, for sure, if you dive into the deep stuff. Right. Uh, have you gotten to the children's and the other weird stuff that happens in the... I don't know whether that's the back half. The uh, yeah, I've started getting into the like the marriage system and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, if that's okay. What you're talking yep. about yeah, yeah. Uh, and that stuff's not really a spoiler because all over the internet you're going to end up looking up what the best marriages are and that sort and, of thing. And um, all the all of the the thing that I think is crazy about that game is there's different created characters based on who you marry with who. Right. Well, let's and so it's just like you just get if you marry them with one person, you get one kid. If you marry them with someone else, you get a completely different kid. Right. Let's let's back up a second and like take in Fire Emblem in its entirety for a second. Um, because I've played tactics games before, a lot of them, hmm. and this is actually my first Fire Emblem series game overall with the permadeath and all that. Uh, I did choose to do permadeath. I was just about to ask nice. that question. Yeah, so that's that's been a staple, I think, of especially this this series. If I'm not mm-hmm. wrong, yep. um, so I chose to do to go with the classic. You know, don't don't skimp out. Play the full Fire Emblem. Uh, I've played a lot of tactics style games, Final Fantasy Tactics, a bunch, um, and Jean Dark was actually one of my favorite PSP games, which is very very tacticsy. Uh, Final Can Fantasy. You- and you played like XCOM and those kind of games. XCOM, yeah. So it's a it's a pretty <laughs> rote genre in my repertoire, and one I seem to go back to quite a bit. And um, it's one reason Fire Emblem Awakening's been sitting in my drawer quite a while. The second reason being it is considered one of the best RPGs on the 3DS. And I think the reason why is it starts off like every other tactics game you've ever played, and intuitively so with decent instruction and not too hard of missions at the start and then ramps into something very different like super duper deep if you want it to be including things like marrying your characters to other characters that you've also had to have side conversations with you got to make sure they pair up in battle so they get their points up and stuff you know yeah, all, the, all your actions in battle affect the like out of battle romances and their like affinity and stuff. So that was something that I did not quite like understand ahead of time because my thoughts were, I'm going to keep Virion in every battle because I want the experience on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's still true though. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you want if you want character X or whatever, if you want the Pegasus Knight, if you want that. You know, whichever archer or whomever to get the levels, they still have to be in. And if then additionally you want the other stuff that you have to like not only worry about where that guy is placed and how he can optimally get all the last kills or whatever, then you have to worry about, well, okay, how do I get him next to the other person or pair them up so that they can do stuff together and yada yada. Because if I want them to be a pair or a couple later on in this game... They have to actually fight together and then also not get killed because they're a bad pair or one's weak and one's strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, if the guy you want has like very low health, you can be pairing them up helps boost, 
helps boost his stats, but it doesn't help necessarily boost their HP a whole lot. Right. And the story, very good so far, especially. Um, Surprisingly so, considering the genre. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, hit or miss, right? You know, some of the stories are very good and some of them are just basic. Yeah, I think it has one of the stronger, more coherent stories in Fire Emblem, at least of the games I've played. Yeah. Now, comparing it to Fire Emblem on the phone, I kind of finally understand how they got Fire Emblem on the phone a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, uh, that phone game is like, oh, I see. They took this whole big thing and like shrunk it way down and simplified it a lot. Right. And for about five minutes, about 25 minutes into the game, I thought, man, I should reboot that phone game. And then about 25 minutes after that, again, <laughs> I thought to myself, this is way better than a phone game. <laughs> yep. I really don't want to boot that game up anymore because this Virion is way more fun than chasing more versions of Virion to meld with my Virion to make B plus A minus. Well, don't worry. I'm sure since you platinums. played, there's like 800 other characters who are better that have swords that are better or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah. Or there's um, bathing suit versions that are stronger or something. Yeah, that's something that's I did not like about that game. I'm having quite a bit of fun with Fire Emblem, and I did not expect to have as quick a connection to it as I did. Have you been going through and doing all the, like, I forget, they're not called side quests, but, like, the side maps? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of great stuff in there, too. I kind of felt like with the permadeath thing, it was kind of like I should take every opportunity to level characters. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Also, took, there's, like, infinite battles, so you can, like, run around and grind true, if you really but, want to. you know, why why run around with, for no reason instead of running around for, like, side stories and things like that? Yeah. Um, uh, and then the other uh, typical tropey Fire Emblem thing, are you leveling the guy, the that you find early on in the game who is useless into a horrible killing monster. <laughs> if you're, ta- are you talking about Robin or, uh, no, no, uh, I'm it, talking about Donald. Yes. So that's interesting. And I quite haven't quite figured that out yet. Uh, is it spoilers for you to kind of fill me in on this? I, I can tell you some mechanics stuff that doesn't yeah. necessarily spoil any kind of story things. Okay. Because uh, Donald has some skills. You know about skills, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, yeah. And skills in Fire Emblem are like these traits that a character have that, you know, do various things for them. Right. Like if they're standing next to another person, they get to extra attack or stuff like, you know, like or automatically if, extra attack. If they're fighting a, if they're a bow guy and they're fighting a sword guy, they get plus five. Or if they're right. next to a female character of this type, they get plus two or whatever. Stuff like that. Donald's thing is that when he levels up, he gets more stats. Oh, like extra percent for stats? It's more, yeah, so the so the most maddening thing in Fire Emblem in the, like, you know, classic mode or whatever is that when you level up, your stats that you gain are random. And, like, one point in a stat matters a lot in this game. So, you know, plus one HP is really good, or plus one attack means you're going to, like, having one attack more than someone else is a big difference. So when he levels up... So that's why people scum save this game. Yes. So, yes. And so 
when you level up and all your stats are randomly decided at the level up time, having what the trait that Donald has, which makes his stats more likely to level up, is a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so as you level him up longer and longer and longer, he just eventually turns into a monstrous killing machine because he has so many stats versus everyone else. Huh. So I did they, not, uh, did they not realize onion, that. They onion knight him, but they do it more gradually. Yes, that's actually a, a perfect comparison. I don't know, uh, Andy, do you, are you familiar with the Onion Knight in Final Fantasy 3? Not super familiar, no. So they they introduce a character that you get late in the game in Final Fantasy 3. It's one of the jobs. Um, Final Fantasy 3 is one of those games that has a job system. Mm-hmm. And one of the jobs that they introduce very late in the game is called the Onion Knight. And he has terrible baseline stats from levels 1 through 90 and then for every level that you level him up above 90 he just becomes this titan of everything Hmm. so you have to put in the time slogging through um this weak character for 90 levels and then the payoff is huge on the other side of it wow and donald is and the characters like donald in other fire emblem games are similar uh, so it's a, it's a very good comparison and, uh, more mechanics stuff in the way that marriages work. Your stats are reflected somewhat in the child character. So if the parents both have very high stats, then the offspring will. And so, so people just like stud Donald out or what? Uh, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, Andrew, this is a, this is a, a monogamous game. I'm sure you knew that. Uh, but you know you want to marry him to the best, the best girl, right? So make sure you find the strongest and most capable girl, whichever one you feel that is, right? Um, you know, if you want the flying one or if you want the you know whichever other ones. Wow. So uh, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> I will say that uh, by the end of that game, I think besides the main character, uh, the the Lord character. Uh, and and some other characters that we can't talk about. Uh, Donald was easily my strongest uh, person at the end of that game. Uh, fair enough. I like that that exists, and I, li- I definitely have started using it, that system. There was so much to it when I went to the internet to look at it that it's I kind of almost <laughs> just said, you know what? It really, honestly, is not going to matter on normal. Also and true. I'm not going to get lost in making the best because yeah. it's going to take days, you know? Yeah. And it really isn't, you know, that extra bit or whatever is certainly worth it. If you're trying to play on hard or, you know, whatever the, the most difficult settings, but you know, on normal, you're not going to have that much tough, that tough of a time if you're doing all the side stuff and leveling your team properly. So I think that's the right call. Yeah. I I very much like this game a lot. Um I do I do have one complaint about it, but I think that's related to a larger RPG discussion and I know there was another RPG we wanted to talk about beforehand. So let's let's quest for a minute. Yeah, you guys like quests? Oh, I love some quests. I I would like to go on a quest one to maybe five times. What about like Dragons. Do you guys like dragons? Yeah, they're cool. Uh, especially when voiced by Sean Connery. 
Uh, well, have I got a game for you, Andrew? It's called Dragon Quest. Oh, wow. really? Like Dragon Quest One, Eleven, Dragon Quest Two, Three, Four, Five, Eleven. <laughs> now, this is a game that has been coming out every year on on the year. Is that right? Because no. like I've seen I've seen Dragon Quest ads before. What is this? So Dragon Quest is a series that existed from the NES. It, yeah. uh, I believe it came over as Dragon Warrior in the United States. Cool. Uh, but it is a big thing in Japan and always has been. Uh, it never really has gotten as popular in the West as it has been uh, in Japan for whatever reason. Uh, Akira Toriyama does all the character art. Uh, in the more recent versions. Wow, I did not know that. That's cool. So if you open it up, you're going to see some characters that look real darn like something maybe Dragon Ball-ish, uh, if you have seen those in the past. That makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, Dragon Quest is a Japanese role-playing game, and it is a classic Japanese role-playing game in basically every way. Uh, including the the story, I'm guessing. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're not going to be looking for a lot of like unseen twists and turns here, right? So say they foreshadow heavily and often, and you see everything coming. <laughs> I I think I got my fill with the Bravely series. Uh, I will. Uh, so Dragon Quest Eleven uh, is uh, out uh, on consoles and pc this is the first time i think it's come out on pc uh now, it's port- been kind of a mobile game right a lot of i've seen i think it was a 3ds game the last one 10 maybe uh so th- they've definitely been on all sorts of consoles over the years i don't know which platforms anything came oh, out okay. on Got it. um but yeah it's been on all kinds of stuff and uh there was like a a there's like an mmo and stuff in in japan and i it's uh, it's a big thing. Anyway, uh, they, the PC port seems to be very good, uh, from what I've read and it just looks very pretty. That Akira Toriyama style art, they do it in like this cell shaded, but 3d kind of look, and it looks really, really pretty. Um, the, the one saving grace I will say of this game is that it doesn't have random battles. Uh, so there, like you see the enemies on the screen and you can attack them or, you know, you get attacked by them. So at least, you know, when a fight is going to happen, you can try like, and run away uh, from them and stuff. Is that, what was that? Uh, Xenoblade kind of, uh, a little bit. Yeah. Not quite as, uh, open world as that game, but definitely, uh, in the like new JRPG tradition. Okay. Um, but ev- literally everything else is as old school as possible. You're a hero from a small village set out on a quest to <laughs> save the world. Yeah. And you are Whee! meeting friends and uh, enemies along the way. And you, there's, you know, giant overworlds and you only unlock certain things, you know, like two hours into the game, you're first unlock the ability to craft and, you know, you have a horse and it, it is a, it is as classic as you can get, you know, the level up screen has its own music and, plays a little ditty and it is a lot um right that's the final fantasy one and the dragon quest one apparently is just as iconic (laughs) uh but i will say my only watching video and stuff of this thing uh it looks very cool i feel like i'm getting sucked into wanting to play a game like this someday soon maybe uh but the 
the one thing I will say is the music isn't orchestrated. Why? What do you mean? It's uh, it's like um, it's digital. It's like synthesized. Yeah, mm. you, you can hear it. Like it sounds bad, like bad quality audio. Who produces these games? Uh, Square Enix. Really? Yep. Yeah. This is one of their biggest franchises. This thing is like a juggernaut in Japan. It's a huge, huge deal. Maybe they can't change the music because it's been that way all along. And then everybody just wants the same game over and over. If I know one thing about Japan, they want the same thing over again but a lot of the pl- time. And, and You can just get a, a symphony to record a version of that song and it would be so much better. I, I agree with you. They can even have it sound. It just it sounds bad. I can't believe it. I'm like I feel like I'm playing like a sixteen, eh, not quite sixteen. Is it, is it sound bad or it sounds dated? It sounds dated. Okay. Yeah. It it it's still good music. Like I can't say that it's like badly composed or anything. It's just that like it sounds old compared to you know the other stuff that is out there. But what you're describing is an old game. They're not trying to make a new game. But, you know, that that moment when you first step out onto the world map and you see the huge vista square out before you, wouldn't it sound so much better with, like, an orchestral backing, swelling, you know, adventure song? Sure, sure. Instead of this, like, you know, whatever, like, ah. Well, but didn't they, didn't, and didn't they do the um, Final Fantasy IX? I'm pretty sure the music for that was orchestrated. So you can do the you can do the throwback style, but still have the yeah the updated music. Yeah, and I right. think people really like that style of music. I mean, there's all sorts of you know you see like oh this symphony you know Philharmonic recorded you know their version of the Final Fantasy suite or whatever, and then the symphony sells that CD and makes a ton of money off of people who are huge fans, right? Yeah, right. And so like people love that music. Why would you just not? I don't get it. Ah. <laughs> anyway, I, I think the game is cool. People should go check it out if they're into it. Uh, but, you know, be ready. I have heard stories that it's like 100 hours or something ridiculous. Okay, but I guess you're going to have to play it, and then we're going to have to do a time time to time comparison between that and something like Xenoblade and see where we think yeah. your time should yeah. go. Because a hun- if we're talking, like, this is the RPG podcast, right? Yep. And it's coming to Switch soon, I guess. It's not out yet. There are a ton of RPGs that I would love to play, but then I think about the time commitment, and it's, you know, given that we are the age we are, and we have the responsibilities we have, and there's other things, like right now, the uh, the D.Va contest going on with Overwatch, so you have to play some games there, and it's fantasy football season, and all these things. What do you play? Because... Gosh, RPGs are fun, but man, they seem to get longer. What yeah, are there I, I mean, I don't know. There there are definitely games. Maybe we should find some good 30-hour ones or something that we should tell people about. Well, you know, I I am still playing uh Yakuza 0 and that is for all intents and purposes like a beat 'em up RPG and that game is like 30 hours, so and you're still enjoying that, I assume. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been like sidetracking myself a lot on the side content in that game because I feel like I'm getting near to the end of the story. Oh, right, and I know okay. once I get there, I'm going to, I know, I know the game has some kind of like post story, do all the extra stuff mode, but right, like, sure. 
I know once I get to that end, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm done with this and move on. So, uh, and actually I just, I literally just remembered this right now. I think Valkyria Chronicles four is like, if not out now, out very soon. We should do a Val. Okay. Someone else say it. Valkyria Chronicles. There we go. We should do a podcast on that. Cause that's a cool, cool series. Yeah, man. Okay. That is not one that I am familiar with. Okay. Oh, Michael. Michael. Okay. That one, two, two to one, two, five, somewhere in there, we're going to do a Valkyria Chronicles podcast where we might, we're just going to lay it on you. You're going to sell me on it. The the Steam version can be had of Valkyria Chronicles one, which honestly is the only one you need to play. Uh, And uh, play that Steam version of that game. It's great. It's a wonderful port. The game is fantastic. And then uh, from... Uh, anyway, I hope that four is also good. Four looks to be picking up what one where one left off mentally, right? Which is the thing that the other ones didn't. So right. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I believe four comes out at the end of the month, at least on Steam. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw some uh, advertisements for it earlier today, and I just was reminded while we were talking about tactics stuff. So sweet. Yeah, that's a great game. So we'll. we'll Maybe we'll have one of those a Valkyria cast. I want to piggyback on because you hit the nail on something in the Dragon Quest talk about the music and something that bothers me about RPGs, JRPGs especially, because they mm-hmm. they've started doing this more. Is instead of the music being weird, we're still um, in the Zelda N sixty four category on a lot of things. When it comes to dialogue, and I just don't understand it anymore, when in Fire Emblem, and this is a larger RPG question, and it kind of goes across the board, so bear with me, there's a bunch of dialogue in that game, a lot, because they'll do a cutscene, which is fully voiced, and they'll drop out of the cutscene for a lot of dialogue between the characters. Right. And when they do the dialogue between the characters, sometimes you'll get something like, listen up. And then the text after that, you could, you if you heard the words listen up and then you read the text, it would make a lot of sense. But I think in 2018, and this obviously Fire Emblem is an older game. Let's take it with a grain of salt that it's Fire Emblem that I'm complaining about, but it still happens. I'm tired of the generic huh 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 sounds while i'm reading a text box mm. oh you mean the the grunts that are supposed to signify someone is talking and saying these words right like like somebody said something shocking huh and then you read the text box at the same time and it's like five lines long or somebody somebody's struggling you know I'm done. Sure. I, I'm good without that. Just leave it out. If you're not going to voice the lines, leave it out. Yeah. I. Hmm. That's one where, like, I wonder if they had already recorded those takes anyway because they're, like, used as battle sounds. You know, when they get hit with the electric attack or when they get hit by the, you know, like, what are their three different sounds that you hear when they get damaged and so then they're just finding a way to repurpose that stuff to make the conversations more interesting i'm glad you brought that up because i don't think in this scenario it's true and i wanted to link this to a western rpg mass effect 
because in the game there are definitely like lines in fire emblem that are like everyone listen to me you know like or like every you know it's time for us to sit they have longer lines that are not the the text that's happening but they're definitely related to text i've never heard them in battles and i think it stems from the idea at the very beginning of that game that they let you rename the character and they do this in all the final fantasies and everything else right and and so they don't voice the line because your name's not Robin. It's whatever you named your character, JJ right. or Michael or whatever. And so they're like, oh, well, we can't possibly voice the lines instead of coming up with a different way to do it. Well, Mass Effect did Shepard, right? Everyone called you by your last name. You can name your character Jack, Jill, Jane, John, whatever you wanted to at the beginning. But everyone still called you Shepard. And then they voiced all the lines. So I think what you're getting at here is a bigger problem than just the name of the character. It's almost more of a philosophy of the type of game that they're making and the difference between like a Western style RPG and like a Japanese style RPG Mm -hmm. because there's uh, who get like kind of game designy here, I guess Uh, the idea of whether the character is an avatar for you, the person, or its own character. I'm okay and, with the split difference a little bit. Uh, but, right, Shepard, like in Mass Effect, the character is still the character Shepard, right? Whether you are inhabiting and playing as Shepard or not, Shepard is still a character in that world. Whereas in a game like Fire Emblem the person you are playing as Robin, the tactician or whatever they call that person is just like completely you. They have no personality outside of whatever personality you give them. And yet in a JRPG, you don't make decisions really. Uh, I mean, you know, there is like, you know, combat and, uh, what do you call them? Like, um, tactical decisions and stuff. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like story changing decisions, typically no, but when I played as Shepard, I could basically make decisions that reflected that I was that character. But that's the style. You're getting at the style of the game as opposed to like a specific complaint about one thing. It's like you're, you're saying, oh, I wish these Japanese games were more like Western style. No, 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 no. And that's no, no, fine. I, but I don't want to cross pollinate here. Right. Um, but the idea of the avatar. Right. And the idea that this character is you. I'm arguing that it doesn't hold the game back in any way in the JRPG style for that, for these, like these lines of dialogue don't change Mm. no matter what you do. You know, I mean, a lot of those games solve that problem by having the silent protagonist, right? Right. Which is fine. Um, This game doesn't have a silent protagonist. You, You participate in the conversation and you get to choose one of three voices for yeah. your character. Um, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I just don't get why you half voice things. I really don't. And I it's like there's room on these cards to voice them all or just not voice them. Okay. I, I think you can guess why they don't voice it all, right? And the answer is it's really expensive. <laughs> not necessarily in like a recording, uh, in a putting it on the cart space issue and like getting people in the booth and having lines of dialogue written and whatever, you know, for actors to act out. That part is the expensive part. Sure. And 
it also means then their like script has to be finalized completely before the actors get involved and all this sort of stuff. So it pushes the timelines in various ways that probably when they ha- they do what this does, they have some flexibility to change some words here or there near the end after the voices have already been recorded. All right. So I understand your point and I agree with it. And like I, I understand your point, and you're right. Like, I, <laughs> if you're gonna be, if you're gonna have a guy and not do, you know, like, oh, well, they want to voice these big scenes, and like these other ones over here will kind of leave and not. Well, like, then it creates like a weird kind of imbalance, you know? Like, oh, this stuff that I'm doing now isn't important. You can tell because they didn't voice anything, right? I just don't feel, you know, I don't feel participatory in that sense. That you know, the avatar is me or anything like that doesn't really come across when. When he's not talking, I definitely see it both ways, and I I agree with your complaint. It I think a lot of RPGs are poorly served by doing voiced dialogue for other some characters and not all of them, right? I think that yeah, they're poorly served by leaving you in the halfway space because about four or five hours in, I'm just so annoyed with the grunting during cutscenes. Fire Emblem has amazing music. It's a really well uh, scored game. And the voice acting is actually very good. But it leaves me scrambling to flick the volume back on in case the the text dialogue turns into a cutscene. Because, man, they get annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's my main main complaint. Leave it off if they're not going to talk. Or find some way to voice the lines imperfectly around the character being an avatar. Cause I don't think a JRPG, I've never really encountered one where it mattered what you named the avatar or anything. Yeah. It's certainly that isn't the only reason they didn't do it. Right. Right. It's a bummer. Um, I agree. I think in a lot of those cases, like having the like, Oh, like surprise sound or whatever is, dumb because you can read the text there's an exclamation point there you know what the text is conveying you shouldn't yeah. need someone to have like a surprised sound to tell you that they did it in zelda for years of course uh but they didn't vo- there was no voice acting other than that well because l- part of it is that link is that silent protagonist right he never actually really says anything yeah everyone talks at him <laughs> yeah Although this whole conversation, I've had the Ocarina of Time link different shouts running through my head. And I think in a game with a silent protagonist, it makes a lot more sense. But because you're playing a Fire Emblem game where your character has lines, like real voice text, you feel the disconnect. If he never said anything and people just talked at you, you would maybe feel less bad about it. And you're left with some cutscenes where the whole game your character is animated with their hood down right and then the cutscene mm-hmm. shows up and you're this mysterious dark hooded figure because they can't show you because of your avatar yeah because they don't know whether you picked the male or female right that's the that's a pet peeve i think about some rpg design that i wish would get solved and i can't believe hasn't been well you know i think dragon quest sidesteps this problem by making you this one guy and, and i'm cool i'm cool with that you know i think he's still a silent protagonist but you're still that one guy I don't understand, you know, I get it. Okay. I do. I do. When I say I don't understand, I, I do. A lot of people want to feel ownership over the, over the character that they spend a hundred hours with. I get Mm. that, but it's not detrimental. I think to the experience to not allow people 
that a level of control if it's going to affect the rest of the game, right? If the guy's name is Ed, just let it be Ed. If that lets you voice the lines or or do something different with the game. Or, you know, don't let me customize the looks if you're going to have cutscenes that are really cool because you can see the character that I'm playing do cool stuff. I didn't mind playing Titus. I think that's true. You know, they should take out the customization stuff if that's if it's detrimental to the telling of the story, right? Absolutely. RPG pet peeves over. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Well, as per usual, it's time to do a little bit of uh, CTA before we do a little bit of FFB in the hizzy. I don't, I can't, couldn't come up with a third acronym. Um, where can people get at us before they want to start hearing about some fantasy football or fantasy football? I guess it is. Uh, we have an email address that is podcast at we were gamers.com, a uh, real email address from a real website, which is we were gamers.com where you can find this podcast, uh, and all the previous episodes, feel free to subscribe on your, uh, favorite podcasting app in, uh, iTunes or Google play or wherever else, uh, Stitcher and the whole thing. We, we love subscriptions and we'd love to hear from you. We're also on all the social media. So get at us out there at we were gamers. Who lost this week? <laughs> um, yep. There is, all right, so we record. I'll let you know in an hour and a half. <laughs> we record on Ooh, Monday nights. Close. There's a Monday night football game still happening. Um, for a little bit of an update this year, I know uh, it's been kind of an odd year. I didn't really, we've been talking about it for months. I didn't really feel like playing fantasy football. So right now I'm only in a keeper league that I've been playing in for a while. Uh, Michael is in a new family league and JJ has a few leagues as well still, but, um, we're kind of cruising a little bit in different directions. So this year we get to not, uh, be at each other's throats. We can do some advice. The first year (laughs) in four or five years that we have not all been in a league together. Yeah. 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 Sad. You know, it is sad. Uh, in every single league that I'm in, I lost my tight end this week. Delaney Walker, Delaney Walker, Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker, Delaney Walker, Greg Olson. Oh, so. oh yeah, Greg Ouch. Olson. That was uh, that was bad for my real life team. Yeah, yeah, uh, bad Michael, for my fantasy teams. Yeah, Michael is a Panthers fan, which is a good thing most days. On the other side of that, JJ um, Jordan Reed stayed healthy and had a great day. <laughs> I know what really unbelievable. <laughs> a guy who literally felt like he is injured every single year. Uh is he did good played um you know more than you can say for uh the almost injury of aaron Rodgers. oh my oh goodness i uh, believe I, I was the only one watching that game i did not see it yeah i saw re- clips later i i caught the very end of it my faith in football being something enjoyable to watch was temporarily restored it was then crushed again by the Lions game today. <laughs> oh, goodness. Sam did Darnold. You, did you guys see the interview on the field with Aaron Rodgers after that game? Yeah, I'm going to play football. Are you hurt? Yeah, my knee kind of hurts. Are you going to play next week? You bet. <laughs> it was he was high off his gourd. You could see that man had done some good drugs i don't know what they were shooting All them up the with uh, here here's the good drug that he did the packers before that game 
were 0 and 107 in games where they were down 17 in the fourth quarter. That's what he was high on. Yeah, biggest uh, comeback in Packers history. Uh, biggest deficit overcome in the fourth quarter in Packers history. Uh, I think it was painkillers. But also painkillers. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should you guys should go back and watch that. He gets the glassy eyed like staring out into space, watching his pupils contract while he's thinking of an answer to a question look of a person who has just done like a lot of weed. I really, I really a very love funny interview. I really love the part of the interview where she goes, I like your dress. <laughs> no, 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 no. When she says, so what's the injury? And he just looks at her. He's like, he's like my knee, my knee. <laughs> it's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> He's just like, Look, he's like, yeah, it's it's my knee, dude. Like, if you can man. throw four Vicodin in a person and basically not allow him to touch his left foot to the ground and he can score 20 points, I don't know how you make a better argument for best QB of all time. Oh, I mean, not even going to touch yeah, that, that argument with a 20-foot pole. But it was just that the interview had me. That was the clip that I saw afterwards. I, I saw the highlights and he played fantastically. Uh, but just the interview afterwards had me laughing so hard. I'm a little bit shocked they didn't put him in an e-brace. Yeah, I wondered about that. Like, is it really like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe he just needs the mobility or whatever. I guess. So I've, I actually, I wondered about something similar over the weekend. So I drove up to uh, the Stanford-USC game this weekend, and Stanford lost one of their starting offensive linemen, um, went down with, I'm pretty sure something torn in his knee um, came back on the field later in a full brace and crutches. Um, but given, given the technology that they use for some of these knee braces nowadays and the fact that, you know, some QBs will play with them just as precaution, even if they don't have a knee injury, why would you, especially in a position like linemen, not just wear a brace as precaution? I thought that I Stanford a lot of always do that. I don't think that they all do. Because I don't... I, I want to say he didn't have one on. I'd, I'd have to go back and, and rewatch the tape. I just am yeah. curious, like, how much... Uh, sure, you should just wear a knee brace if it's legal, right? But, yeah. like, yeah. with the helmets becoming even better because they need to currently, and with, like, knee and elbow and... Why is everyone not just like armored We're, up in like Voltron armor yeah, stuff so on like, everyone? Yeah, so like <laughs> like Power Ranger time, they're all going to be running around like the Bionic Man. What's the point? I wonder. I mean, there must be some detriment to speed and stuff at some point where you have all these braces and stuff all over you. Yeah, mobility, safety wise, what's mobility the point? seems like the the argument against it, right? You can't pivot and turn with your normal dex range of motion. So you wouldn't see it on a guy like a wide receiver, but you know, and in the case sure. of like Aaron Rodgers, there, like, how much did he really do? He took two steps and threw the ball within three seconds, right? Right. Yeah. I watched Andrew Luck scramble around for four years with two leg braces on. He did just fine, and he's back to doing that this year. I think shocker. Yeah, he had a he had, he had a pretty good game. okay game. They didn't win, but you know, yeah, maybe a little less Fortnite dancing. <laughs> The um the full full body weight rule this year oh in tackling the quarterback. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't understand that before it came to the game. I thought, okay, they're doing some sort of new roughing thing. It's probably a good idea because 
it's the Aaron Rodgers rule and people just keep, you know, and uh, Cam Newton, I guess, technically, where people just keep hitting them over and over and over as hard as they can because they know mm -hmm. that's the only way they're going to win the football game. Also, by the way, I don't think anyone around the league actually calls it the Aaron Rodgers rule. I was just calling it that. Oh. So, well, it's the two I mean, quarterbacks that I can think of off the top of my head that just get pounded. Absolutely. You're, you're completely right. Because they try to hurt sure. them. It's not colloquially known as that yet. Sure, yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Well, it's going to be known as the game loser rule because Clay Matthews almost lost his team the game with 15 yards. Oh, no. He, his, oh, never mind. Sorry. His was the uh, late hit to the head. Uh, what was the yeah. one before that? Anyway, that and, happened and in that game where a 300-pound lineman comes through the line and tackles the mm -hmm. quarterback. Well, if they, yep. they wrap him, if they wrap him with two arms and they're three-quarters of the way down before the quarterback throws the ball... How do they not land on top of them? Yep. I I really feel bad for anyone being asked to play defense in the NFL this year because what are you supposed to do? Like, at some point, there's only so many ways you can bring a person down to the ground and not – like, now you're being asked beyond all of that. Also, by the way, don't let your body land on top of them after all of that. Well, like can't how touch, can't touch them in the head, can't, can't go low with their legs, can't go to the knee, can't go with the head, can't go with the so like what you, is it just like you have to hold your arm out like a clothesline and hope they fall over? Like I, I don't know what you're supposed I'm to do go with just drop kick them in the chest. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you leave with the cleats, that's a penalty. <laughs> I don't mind them trying to remove the spearing and the the late hits and all that sort of stuff. And if they can find a new way for tackling that is safer, that's a good idea. But expecting these, you know, pass rushers to do a pirouette and then hope that they actually knocked the quarterback down is going to lose teams' games either way. And I don't understand what their that exact motion is supposed to be. Like it, it's they really should be demonstrating it for people before the season starts because right. you just come up with this rule that's it's like okay well people like, are getting hurt because of this. Well, yeah, well it's a case where like I can see, you know, there's like oh, we well, have to keep your head up, you have to make sure you're not leading with your helmet and not, and not going towards the knee. This is all stuff you can do before you hit the person. Once you have already collided with them, you're asking them to land differently. Well, I'm supposed to like turn in midair in the like 0.02 seconds we're in the air to get off to the side. While like, it's moving, all, it's as, too, fast while as, moving as fast can. as possible. Like there's not, there's that's not a thing you can do. You're already committed to the motion at that point. There's no time there to maneuver. You can do stuff before you hit them. You can raise your head. You can make sure you're aiming at an appropriate body part or whatever. Honestly, that's like planable. You can't plan for once you've jumped at the guy. I actually blame slow motion replay for a lot of this because they watch these things and they're like, Oh look, the ball was out before he got hit, you know? And then they try to come up with these rules. And it's like, well, you know, your standard reaction time is about, you know, a, a little bit less than a second. Watch these things in full speed. And, and you could be less than a second away from somebody and have to decide whether to leave your feet before then, because yeah. the quarterback's running that way. I'm, you know, this far away, I have to dive now. And that's more than two and a half seconds before the quarterback lets go of the ball. And, you know, then, and then they watch it in replay and they think that it's been so long you could have reacted. It's like I had to leave my feet at this point. 
Yeah, you watch those replays at full speed, and it's just like a blur of people hitting each other, and you're like, oh, well, I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a... I, I, like I said, I don't envy the defensive players this year. It's uh, it's going to be tough. I actually don't envy the rule makers either. They're trying to protect people, obviously, from a game that is getting pounded yeah. by the horrible things it's doing to to the players. Right? The, the and they enrollment did for Pop good. Warner and stuff is so far down. They're wondering about closing schools, you know, like colleges and high schools football teams. A lot and, of you know the. They actually f- did a smart thing this year in simplifying the catch rules so that you don't have to survive contact with the ground, quote unquote. Um, so all that stuff about like, well, he was holding it and then he s- bounced it on the ground while he was already in the end zone and bobbled it or whatever. Now it's not a catch. All that stuff is gone. All those oh, it took them long enough. Oh, and, I know. And all those questionable things like did Des Bryant catch it on his helmet or did James at the touchdown or whatever, all that stuff, all of those were catches they as anyone who watched them would have thought. That thing, that that rule change gets rid of my one of my biggest pet peeves in all of football, which was that the catch rules were different in the end zone than the rest of the field. Yeah. Yes. And that is finally gone. And that yes. made me so mad when it was like, Well, He's not in the end zone, so it isn't a catch, but he is in the, you know, but it went through the end zone. It's just like, come on. Right. If so. the ball breaks the plane, it doesn't matter if it bobbles as you go right, to the but, ground because you broke uh, the plane. Yeah. yeah. And so changing all that stuff finally is a good, one of the first times they've made a good rule change. Yeah. It, so. Ugh. Meanwhile, the, but, uh, the Raiders and the Rams continue to not score. It's a close game, though. Yeah, I I need that to to continue to happen. Then. <laughs> well, uh, maybe we'll leave it here and uh, declare the rant over for this week. Randy Sue Football Episode One complete. <laughs>